Hi everyone, uh, it is an honour and a joy to be sharing with you today in Junction 10 Church and uh, I'm just deeply, deeply privileged to be, to be given the opportunity to share the Word of God with you and I know we're in strange and weird and wonderful times where we are isolated from one another yet I am encouraged with the reality that though we are isolated the Holy Spirit is not isolated. He is with you right now. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, the presence of the Lord is with you right now. I am so encouraged by the fact that although you and I are in lockdown and we're coming to the end of week five of our lockdown, the word of God is not chained. And I have discovered even over these last five weeks, a reaffirmation, a re-commitment to the idea that the presence of the Lord is with us, the word of the Lord is living in us, and the power of the Lord is still, is still active in encouraging each one of you. And it's with that in mind that I want to share something from the word of God. And uh, I want to share it from some of the writings of Paul. He writes to a church that he helped plant, the church in Corinth. And I want to read something to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 4. If you have a Bible with you, I would love you to follow that. I know you're sitting in your living room or even your bedroom or wherever you are and watching this, but I'd love you to follow the reading in the Bible with me. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. And here's what Paul says. He says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end. Love that. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. In fact, if we were literally translating verse 9, it would read, faithful is God. And in it, it says, who's called you into fellowship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is God. That's, that's the simplicity of the message I want to encourage you with today. Faithful is God. What does that mean? He is faithful. It means he's trustworthy. It means he is uh, has the, the power to help us and hold us. It means we can put our confidence in him. It means what he said he will do, he will do. He is faithful. Faithful is God. And, and here's Paul. He's about to say some edgy things to the church at Corinth, the church that he's planted and the church that he loves, but he's got a bit of a strained relationship with them. And, and to be honest, the church has been a bit naughty in a number of areas. And if you read 1 Corinthians, Paul's almost trying to bring them back into line because really they're, they're bending out of shape a little bit. But before he gets to the hard stuff, before he confronts them about relationships and about behaviour in services and about meat offered to idols, before he gets to all of that stuff, he wants to encourage them with this truth, with this reality that the God they serve is faithful, that the God who's called them is faithful, that the one who has given his all for them is 
faithful to them. And so whatever he says to them, it's in the context of the idea that the God we serve, uh, personified through the Lord Jesus Christ, is a faithful God to them. Now, they weren't facing COVID-19, but they were facing other challenges, other restrictions, other difficulties. And Paul wants to bring a word of life and liberty and freedom to them, encouraging them as they go forward. Now, if Paul had just said to this church, faithful is God, that would have been enough. But Paul doesn't just say that. In the introduction to this letter, he not only says that God is faithful, but he gives us some big ideas about God, about his nature, about his character, about his behaviour, that feed into that idea that he is a faithful God. And I want to just encourage you with three ideas from this introduction that feed into the big idea that God is faithful. Paul doesn't just want us to see that God is faithful, but he wants us to see why God is faithful. And here's the first reason. So Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, God is faithful. That's amazing in itself. But number one, he's faithful because of his grace. Look at this. In verse four, Paul says these words. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. And then later on in verse nine, he says, God who has called you into fellowship. But look at those words. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you. That that word grace there points to... uh, God's generosity that it's given to us, even though we don't deserve it. Unconditional generosity, undeserved generosity. A grace that comes from God, even though we didn't do anything to earn it, and even though we can't do anything to keep it. His grace is unconditional and his grace is unreserved. And as a result, he says, because of this grace, God is faithful. Because he is a graceful God, he will be faithful to you. So some of you know that I have two sausage dogs. I love the sausage dog. My boy's sausage dog's called Pepperoni, and the girl's sausage dog is called Salami. Love them. I, I remember when we went to buy Salami, and uh, we left our home, uh, went to the lady who owned these puppies. And I remember walking into her home, and as she lifted up the the, the cover of the whelping cage where all the puppies were, the puppies went bananas. I mean, they went crazy. It was like they almost burst out of the cage. And so it was chaos. It was bedlam. Uh, it didn't smell particularly good, it has to, has to be said. Uh, and all this chaos was going on. And you're thinking probably 10, 11, 12 puppies in the cage. How on earth, how on earth are we going to pick one? Because they all looked the same. Anyway, The lady picks one out. She hands it to my wife, Dawn. Dawn looks at the dog, hands it back. The lady picks up another puppy, hands it to Dawn. And Dawn uh, took the dog. Uh, The dog snuggled into her shoulder. And Dawn said, she said, this is the one. This is the one. And I said, are you sure? Look at all the other puppies. She said, this is the one. Do you not want to see any more? This is the one. Would you like? This is the one. And Don became convinced that what became known as Salami was the one. Well, as soon as Don made the pick, I paid the money. She's convinced we paid, but I paid. And so so I put the money down, paid for the dog, 
and off we went home. Now, now it's a it's a daft illustration, but but here's the point I want you to see. We, Dawn picked her. We paid for her. So why would we abandon her? Why would we treat her badly? Why would we hurt her? I, I, I can't understand that logic. I, I can't understand why people would have an animal and then mistreat an animal. We paid a small fortune for that salami dog. We went all to all that trouble to pick that dog and having picked her and paid for her, we want to treat her well. Having paid for her and picked for her, we're not going to abandon her. We're going to lavish our love on her. And my, my goodness, it has to be said, and I'll, I'll say this quietly, but my dogs probably have a better life than some humans on planet Earth because they're treated like members of the family. Why? Because we paid for them. We picked them. They're ours. You see, Salami experienced, although she doesn't understand it, our grace. And because of the grace, we are faithful. It's the same with the Lord. The Lord has lavished himself on you. He picked you in, in the broadest sense of the word. He has chosen us in Christ Jesus, Paul says to the church at Ephesus. He paid for us through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So having picked us, having paid for us, why would he abandon us? Listen, the Lord is with you right now. It may not feel like it. You may feel like the world is against you. You may feel that you have been abandoned. You may feel that everything is going wrong. But Paul says to you, I say to you, God is faithful. He will not abandon the work of his hands because he loves you. So Paul says God is faithful because of his grace. Secondly, Paul says God is faithful because of his goodness. I love this. Verse 5. For in him you have been enriched in every way. And he highlights some of that enriching. In your speaking, verse 5. In your knowledge, in verse 5. Therefore, he says in verse 7, you don't lack any spiritual gift. Or any grace gift would be a better interpretation. Or here's what Paul is saying. God is faithful to you because he has invested an enormous amount into your life. He has paid an incredible price. And not just once at the beginning, but he continues to invest into his people and he continues to invest into you through, through your knowledge, through your speaking and through the grace gifts that he gives to you. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, God is faithful because God is good. His faithfulness is an expression of his goodness to every one of us. And in the midst of the challenge that you and I face, he is a faithful God because he is also a good God. Don and I have three children together. Uh, Elena, who is 27 and married to Dan. And we have a beautiful uh, granddaughter, Abigail. She's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we have our son, Simeon, who is 23 and then Bethan, who's just turned 19. And Bethan is on an internship with a, an Assemblies of God church in Utoxeter, and she's loving it there. And you know, when Bethan was born, we opened a little bank account for her. And even though we had hardly any money, we put a little bit of money into the children's bank account every week. By the time she turned 18 and was about to go on her internship program, that little bit of money every week had grown into a sizable pot. In fact, enough money 
for her to pay for the whole of her internship and most of the trips overseas that she would be doing. She only had to raise money for one trip. Everything else was, in theory at least, in that little bank account. But I remember us taking her over to Utoxeter and taking her to the flat and unpacking her cases and her bags and getting her sorted. And then her mum took her out and, and did a, a full shop for her so that when we left, not only did she have money in the bank, not only did she have enough for her internship year, but then every available space of cupboard in her flat was full. Every inch of the freezer was full. Every bit of the fridge was full. We didn't just want to send her off. We wanted to send her off ready and enriched and encouraged and blessed. We wanted her to know we were committed to her success. We didn't just say, off you go, goodbye, uh, I hope it all works out. But we sent her off with a sense of enrichment, with gifts literally within her bank account, with gifts literally in her cupboard and in her freezer. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying he hasn't just saved you. The Lord hasn't just redeemed you. He hasn't just delivered you from sin. But he now invests himself into you. He gives himself to you because he wants you to be enriched. He wants your cupboards, literally or metaphorically, to be filled. He wants your heart to be full. He wants you to be a man, to be a woman, who understands that he is faithful to you because he is good. And here's the last idea. He's faithful not just because of his grace. And he's faithful not just because of his goodness. But lastly, he is faithful because of his greatness. Verse 8, it says, He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong. I love that word. It points to the idea of being fixed, of being secure of being absolutely rooted in God. And here's what Paul is saying. The God who started this journey with you is going to finish it. He's not just a God who begins. He's a God who finishes. He's not just at the start of the alphabet. He's at the end of the alphabet. He is A. He is Z. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is Aleph. He is tall. He is first. He is last. He is beginning. He is end. He is faithful. And his greatness means that when he starts a journey with me and you, he will finish that journey. His greatness means he has the power to get us to the end of this thing. He has the power to ensure that you and I can ultimately fulfill all that we have been called to fulfill. And he says to the church at Corinth, he hasn't just started the work in you, he's going to finish the work in you. He hasn't just saved you, he's going to complete you in every way. He, he isn't just there at the beginning, he's going to bring you to the end. In my daily devotions during COVID-19, I have been in the book of Isaiah and I've been so encouraged. And, and one of the phrases that Isaiah uses over and over again in English is the phrase, in that day. In that day, in that day, over and over and over again, he says it. In fact, in his book, he says it 42 times in that day. In Hebrew, Bayom Hahu. It's beautiful. And, and I've been encouraged because every time I've come across that phrase, in that day, here's what I'm reminded of. That no matter what's going on in my day, there is a God who has a bigger day. That whatever's going on in my world, there is a God who is bigger 
than my world. That, that whatever my weakness, whatever my restriction, whatever the fear and anxiety that would come against me, there is one bigger than that. There is one stronger than that. There is one better than all of that. Reading this morning in Isaiah 41 in my daily devotions, and God says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's not even like I have to reach up and grab him. He says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God comes to us to uphold us because he has the strength and the power, because he has the greatness within himself to ensure that what he started, he can finish, to, to ensure that what he's begun, he can bring to completion. And Paul says to the church of Corinth, not only that God is faithful, but that this faithful God is able to be faithful because he is great, because he has the strength and the power to do what he has promised. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, and we're all going through this together, and yet we're all going through it individually and separately. The God you serve is faithful. He sees you. He loves you. He's with you. He will not and has not abandoned you. The presence of this storm is not the absence of his presence. The difficulty we're experiencing does not mean that his greatness has been undone. But he is relentlessly committed to the work of his hands. And he is committed to finishing what he started and to perfecting in every single one of us his purposes and plans. Every single day I make the confession, God is faithful. Faithful is God. And I can say that with confidence because the faithful God is gracious. The faithful God is good. The faithful God is great. The faithful God is the God above every God. And he comes to you today to encourage you and bless you. So right now I want to pray for you. And you will experience the faithfulness of the Lord. And so Lord Jesus, right now, for my brothers and sisters, wherever they are, wherever they're listening to this, that you will reach out to them and touch them, encourage them and bless them. May the truth of your word bring freedom to their hearts. May your truth bring renewal to their minds. May they know the truth, this truth, that you are faithful. And may this truth set them free by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the truth of the word of God, and through the everlasting and relentless presence of the Lord. Lord, may your grace and goodness and love and greatness be upon every man, woman, boy and girl engaging with the service. And may each of us know that we are loved by a God who is faithful and who will never abandon the works of his hands. So may the Lord bless you. And may he keep you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord's face rise upon you. May the Lord's face be uh, facing you today and bring you his peace and bring you his wholeness and bring you his rest in Jesus' name. God bless you all. And I hope to see you all soon. Bye-bye.